Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. No, I thought I was back home at Takeover Church. Let's stand and let's praise God. Give me a 10 second praise break. Come on, stand, he's worthy. One, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now tell the devil to shove it. Shove it. Let's go. Welcome to Takeover Church. If you're first time here, uh, my name's Matt. My wife and I, Adrian, are the pastors here, and uh, it is awesome to be back with us this morning. Last week, thank you so much for your graciousness and kindness to allow Adrian and I to go and minister to our friend's church up in Bay City. We had the privilege and honor of taking, literally, this was the assignment, taking what the Lord has done here in the last six months. Pastor Marco asked me, and he said, please impart that into Radiant Church Bay City. And friends, I believe for two services and a bunch of testimonies, I mean, I've got emails and messages for days People are lit up. I'm telling you what the Lord is doing here is happening there. It is catching fire, and it is an honor and privilege because it's not unto my glory. It's not because of my gifts. It's not because of my talents. It's because we are a people who are willing to die so that Jesus may live. Amen? Come on. Praise God one more time. Let's go. I had one guy email me like, literally emailed me like four hours after service like hey I run the trolley cart business up in Radiant Bay City and we have like boozer cruisers and I was praying over people on the boozer cruiser and they were like you know they were all inebriated but I was trying to get them inebriated in the Holy Spirit and I'm like he was praying and some lady ended up finding her wallet it was a whole thing I mean like people are just emailing in like the Lord is moving thank you for bringing that here so I just want to say to my crazy band of the Messiah's misfits thank you for being crazy along with me and let's believe the word of God together amen come on well, this morning, I do want to say real quick, I heard Pastor Scott Fletcher, yeah, crushed it last week. Phenomenal. Come on, he is the coach. I love Pastor Scott. If you didn't hear the message or you weren't with us, uh, check it out. It was so good. Of uh, 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 Zeal for the fire. Right, Scotty? Yeah, yeah. He's over there on his knees praying with his boys. It's awesome. You praying or playing? What you doing? Um, he's a good dad. But yeah, I heard it was amazing, and yes, happy Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to my father-in-law, who is more of a father to me than my own father, who took me in as an orphan, and has made me into the man of God I am today by his grace and kindness, and a few swift kicks in the butt, uh, even as an adult grown man. So, I love you, Scott. Don't kill me for doing that. Uh, he might. He tried. Uh, but yeah, y'all ready for the Word of God? You love your B-I-B-L-E? Is it the book for me? <laughs> you, okay, my wife said that a little too emphatically. Like, yes, that is the book for you, honey. You need, you need the Word of God desperately. Uh, well, fantastic. If you're taking notes, bust out those bad Jacksons right now. The title of my message is this, Keeping Prophetic Fire. Keeping Prophetic Fire. Keeping Prophetic Fire. And we're coming out of Revelation 22 today. Um, yeah, 22. Yeah, 22. 22. We are finishing up the revelation portion of this year, stewarding this prophetic word of fire upon the earth. And so I'm really excited because we are at the crescendo. We are at the climax. We are at the moment when we see Satan just whoosh, gone. 
And Jesus, ruling, reigning, uncontested, unanimously, undefeated, undisputed king of the universe. Amen? It's going to be awesome. So get ready because this is exciting and then we're going to move into a bunch of prayer and intercession this summer and really just see our prayer life set ablaze for the glory of God. Amen? So it's going to be awesome. So I'm real pumped to finish this up. And yes, if you're new with us, we've been stewarding a year-long word. We are not changing this. We are not moving from fire upon the earth. We do not have another series coming until 2024. We are not budging. We are remaining steadfast. The word said, the Lord said to me, he said, we will be the bride in our region to see fire upon the earth. This is the game plan. Amen. So he gave me a strategy. We are going through the last lessons of Jesus until we return into intercession this summer. So today we are finishing up these last lessons of Jesus that set the early church ablaze, one of many being the book of Revelation. Have you enjoyed this so far? Has it challenged you so far? Has it made you grow deeper in the revelation of Jesus so far? Come on, man. I feel like we have bitten off so much, and I feel like we are growing up into that spiritual maturity that Pastor Adrian was talking about. And maybe today, if you're feeling like you haven't grasped it yet, maybe today you're feeling like, you know what, I'm still in the infancy milk stage. I want to tell you, we understand. I get it. However, In order for you, not just me, not just this church, not just pastors at large or other churches at large, for you to do and be everything that God birthed you in this world, in this hour, and in this season to accomplish for his glory, you cannot remain on spiritual milk. We must grow up. We must get muscles. We must grow in stature and favor with God and with man. We must be like Jesus. Does I got anybody in the room today that wants to be like Jesus? Come on, then let's go. Title of my message again is Keeping Prophetic Fire. And we are coming out of Revelation 22, 1 through 21. I'm going to read the whole thing. And uh, we're going to let the Lord do his deal. Ready for the word of God? Fantastic. And hey, uh, we got Miss Rachel in the booth holding it down. I believe we got Phil somewhere as well holding it down. And Evan's been holding it down. And real quick, hold up. I know, you're like Matt. You're stopping us all. This is worth it. Trust me. Uh, We spent like 16 hours uh, this weekend, uh, Pastor Evan, myself, and then Micah came along, and Grant came along, and it was awesome, but literally, we were blessed by another church who asked to not be named, which is totally understandable, but this church is a pastor, and this pastor had uh, a long bout with cancer, and he had come to us early on because he's not necessarily from that faith background, so to speak, as we are so convinced of in the Word of God, and he asked us, like, as the church with the Spirit of God in it in our city, would you stand with me and believe for healing? for for my cancer and literally as of uh, a couple weeks ago he is now one year in remission come on praise God so what really one year in remission of cancer like we're gonna we're, he's, he, we have got a golf clap for that like way to get on the green God hits par every time hole in one kind of God's who he is and so anyways uh, don't make me teach you how to clap today I will go so penitent so Pentecostal on you, you don't want it, okay? I'll bust out the Irish jig so fast, it'll make your mama's head spin. Anyways, I don't even know what that means. Uh, but it was amazing, and he reached out to me, and he said, hey, we have these speakers, and I feel like they're to go to you guys. We have some other stuff too. Do you want to come and have a look at it and uh, see what would benefit you? And I went Tuesday, and I sat with him for a while, and we just talked and caught up. And man, he literally told me, so these are, these are thousands and thousands of dollars that were just gifted to us. They're amazing. 
They're, they're incredible. And he said, I pray and I hope in the prophetic word for you is that they would release the song of healing in our city. They would release the song of healing in our city. And the reason I want to stop and pause is because there's one man outside of that pastor who reached out to, to give those to us that is responsible for this. His name is Pastor Evan. Pastor Evan took the whole week mathing things out, doing the research, looking at specs, downloading PDFs for days, and literally the guy showed up Friday morning, hit the prayer meeting with us, amen, hit the prayer meeting with us, and then he and I and those other two hooligans, we embarked on a 16-hour journey between two days of putting this up, doing the math and all these things, and it would be impossible without Pastor Evan being so diligent, so smart, and putting his gifts and talents to the plow for us to have the glory of God show up in this manner. So can we just honor Pastor Evan? Come on. Come on. Absolute legend. And these, uh, yeah, they're amazing, and I'm, I'm really pumped for the, the, just the, you know, it's like, it's silly, because we don't need any of this for God. Uh, however, at the same time, like, it is really great that we can make our praises sound good. <laughs> Amen. All right, Revelation, let's hit it. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You hearing me? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no night light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Somebody say amen. amen. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, have sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of prophecy in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I, felt, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Somebody say, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Amen? Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers, the sexual immorality, the, immor the murders and the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. Somebody say, for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David. I am the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Somebody say, come. come. No. Somebody say, come. come. Say it like you want Jesus to return today. Come. Come, come on. Here we go. 
Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon soon enough. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. Come, Come Lord Jesus. Come. One more. Come Lord Jesus. Come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. I'm going to pray and we're going to wreck things. Sound good? Let's go. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, you, you are worthy of it all. God, I love you, God. I pray, I pray right now, Lord, that we would begin to get this end in us, Lord, that right now as we circle the bends of wrapping this up, God, that this wouldn't have fallen on deaf ears, that this wouldn't be something, uh, God, that we remain scared of or in worry about, God, but we would see through the lies of the last 200 years of American Christianity, God, and we would pierce through the veil and we would see the book of Revelation isn't some folk tale. The book of Revelation isn't just a tale of the end times, God. But truly, Lord, it is the revelation of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we long to look upon his face. We long to see him rightly, God, so we can worship him correctly, Lord. So we can be obediently perfect, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you. It is the work of our lives. It is the honor of our lives. It is the privilege of our lives to be made again in your image and likeness. So Holy Spirit, we say come. Right now, Holy Spirit, we just say have your way in this place. Lord, we want the promise of the Father to descend in this upper room right now, Lord. This moment, God, we are saying to you, you have a willing people. You have a yielding people. You have people, God, who are not self-obsessed or self-absorbed. But today, Lord, we are here because we are Savior-obsessed and Savior-absorbed, God. We are completely in love and compelled by the King Jesus who reigns above it all the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So Holy Spirit, come. Every other spirit, you go back to hell from which you came. Holy Spirit, you have dominion here. We love you, we love you, we love you. Make us more like Jesus. And a whole faith-filled church said, Amen. Amen. Come on. Oh, I didn't even really have a week off, but I still feel like I came back to spank. Like, it's crazy. Um, someone's like, oh God. It's gonna be good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be awesome. But man, Keeping prophetic fire. Keeping prophetic fire because I like threes. Keeping prophetic fire. I am, I am disturbed by this phrase. I'm disturbed by these words. Keeping prophetic fire. You see, we embarked on a journey this year of Luke 12, 49 through 50 of stewarding this prophetic word for us that Jesus said his chief mission statement when he came was to cast fire upon the earth and he would have already, he has a baptism for us if the fire was ready to be kindled. He is in distress, he says. I am distressed until this baptism comes. And I love this moment because it gave me this this worldview, this church view, this view of him that I never had before. It gave me a look into the depths of his eyes, realizing Jesus is only distressed about two moments his entire time on earth. Two moments. One was the coming baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the other was going to the cross. 
Friends, this must mean something to us. This must be the lens by which we view him, that we gaze into him, and how we see ourselves reflected back to us. Today, friends, I'm offering us a chance to take a look into the prophetic proverbial mirror of our lives found in the eyes of our Christ. Look into him deeply and see ourselves rightly in him as he desires us to be a bursting, burning bride. Amen. I am telling you, friends, we, we have, oh, this church, this season, we have had a foretaste of things to come. And I am telling you, this taste, this nibble, this, this little bit that you and I have gotten a glimpse into in the last six months is nothing compared to what we will live through and walk out in the next 60 years as a community together. It is nothing compared to what will take place in our world. It's nothing compared to what he is doing in his bride right now in this hour. There is a groan in the earth right now to see Jesus rightly to be loved by him rightly, to love him rightly, to worship him perfectly and correctly, amen? There is this deep groan in his bride that's like we, we are derobing the religion. We are derobing the West Michigan hour and 10 minute service. We are derobing from all of these things that we have made in our own image and likeness and we are putting back on the dunamis power of God that he clothed his people in when the Holy Spirit first fell in the upper room. We are getting back to the heart of worship. What a prophetic song. That song was written in the 80s. In the 80s by a British man named Matt Redman and I am telling you friends it still has oil on it today because the heart of the bride must be, I'm returning to the heart of worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for that I made church about my interests and my likes. I go when that preacher is preaching because I like him. I go when that woman preacher is preaching because I like her. I go when this song is being played. I can only raise my hands because there's a fast-paced song to start things off instead of just sitting in the still, quiet voice of the Lord that while it can seem awkward and empty room for nothing to be happening, we can lift up the song of our heart to our King. And finally, we can tune into Him rightly. And we just move away. We move away from all of these things. And we get back to Him. The one thing. Because truly, when the music fades, when the lights go out, when the day comes, when this, this warehouse, corporate center is no longer standing, when you and I are long gone and we are with Jesus in heaven, he still remains. And I believe this next season for us as a church is going to be going into even greater waters because you and I have done the diligent work of receiving and opening ourselves up to the proper revelation, the entire revelation of whom Jesus is. You see, we live in a time and place right now where we got a lot of churches and I love them. Bless you. Be great. Do great exploits. Phenomenal. One kingdom. Many rooms. However, in this room, I don't have a Jesus that I like. I don't have a Jesus that I picked out. I don't have a Jesus that fits my interests. No, no, in this house, in this home, we have made a priority 
to see Jesus as he is, not as I wish him to be. Not as I hope him to be. We have made the commitment to gain the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus holds of himself. Because friends, if we do not possess the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus possesses of himself, we will see him wrongly, we will worship him imperfectly, and we will disobey him entirely. I appreciate anybody this morning. We need Jesus to see Jesus rightly. We need Jesus to see him rightly. He has got to blow upon our eyes to remove the scales and we have got to be peeled back to the place of getting beyond what we'd like Jesus to be and realize a greater Jesus is the only Jesus as he is. Friends, so often we even pray We even pray, we even worship based off a fallen, fractured, broken revelation of what we think he is. We think if I just pray the right words, I'm going to twist his arm and I'm going to get my prize. If I just worship in a certain manner, he's going to shake loose the kingdom of heaven and I can somehow manipulate my father. Problem is, he sees beyond your words He sees beyond your hand motions or lack thereof for West Michigan. Come on, somebody. Spank one. Spank one. He sees beyond it. While man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And he sees into your true motivations. And friends, I'm telling you, he longs to be your true motivation. Think about that. God in heaven longs to look inside his son and his daughter and see that he is their primary motivation. He doesn't long to look at the altar of your heart and see money or notoriety, see prominence or prosperity. But no, he longs to peer into the throne of your heart and see that it looks like the same throne that he is seated upon in heavenly places. This is the revelation of Jesus. We have got to get this on the inside of us, friends, because gone are the days where we can have a Christian reputation and be absent the prophetic fire of God. Gone are the days where we can have a Christian reputation, but live absent the prophetic fire of God. Because friends, the world's, the world's not turning back. The world doesn't go back. We're not going back to the 50s. We're not going back to when it was safe to be a Christian for a period of time in this great country of ours. We're not going back. If anything, where we're going back to is where Christians were actually martyred for their faith, where their faith had to actually cost them something more than just not shopping at Target anymore, more than just not drinking Bud Light, which is disgusting anyways. We've got a lot of people disguising themselves as things these days that they are not, and Bud Light did it first. Pretends to be a beer. (sighs) That was stupid, right? Someone's like, no, that's true, that's true. Or it disguises as water. I'm not really sure what it's trying to go for, but it's confused. 
But that's the day in which we live, friends. And as it gets darker, our fire has to get brighter. Because what's amazing to me right now is we can look around to churches, we can look around to Christians, we can look around to even Christian movements, people that are making all of this money off of touring and speaking and quote-unquote pouring into and pouring out for other Christians and yet can't even do what the last verse of the entire book says to do, not add to and not take away. And yet they take money from the church, they take money from the Christians, they ask for these obnoxious things, and they live in a green room, want nothing to do with the people they're supposedly there to serve, and yet they completely take away from the gospel by not standing for the actual gospel, and they add to it some sort of fake faux tolerance that is not actually a virtue of Christianity. I don't know when the last time is that you read the uh, fruits of the Spirit. Tolerance isn't one of them. Tolerance isn't one of them. Because in fact, the very nature of Christ, the very nature of God having to send Christ, speaks against tolerance of sin. God doesn't tolerate our sin. He sacrificed and shed blood to cover our sin. There's a massive difference. Bless you, child. Bless you again. Let's curse your sneeze and cough in Jesus' name. You see, right now, we live in a time and place where so much of our bride, so much of our family, so much of our homes and rooms that we are a part of have lost sight of the revelation. You see, they're not living to keep the prophetic fire. They're living from a faux-fetic fire. A faux-fetic fire. Give me some grace and mercy today because I'm going to use that term a lot this morning. And we need to get this on the inside of us. There is a protecting of the prophetic fire that needs to take place. And there is a death of the prophetic fire that needs to take place. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. Maybe you don't know what the word faux means, but faux is fake. It's folly. It's a ruse. It's pulling the wool over your eyes. It's not real, baby. You've been sold a bad bill of goods. It's fake. It's imitation. Some would even say it's anti what is portraying itself as so something might appear to sound like and to be act like and kind of look like Christ but is actually anti-Christ anti-God anti-Holy Spirit anti the Word of God anti the church and the community of God that he established himself But we live in a time and place where this faux-fetic fire will preach tolerance of sin and acceptance of all people regardless of repentance of all sin. And we live in this time and place where Jesus would meet with sinners even in their own homes. However, just because he met with them in their own homes do not mean that they were immediately welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. There is a difference. We can eat and sit and drink with sinners, but light and darkness still have nothing to do with one another when it comes to the afterlife, when it comes to how you and I are called to be in this world. And so while it may sound merciful, some of these things you may hear, 
while it may sound grace-filled, some of these things you may hear, what sounds like mercy is really pride disguised. Because you and I, we don't have a God who allows us to live as he found us. But instead, he comes alongside us. He gave us his word. He put a spirit on the inside of us. We wrestled into the revelation of Jesus Christ. And along our life, we found ourselves being sanctified into his image and his likeness. And suddenly sin has lost its hold on me. Amen. You see, there is a salvation that takes place when you meet Jesus. And as you live with Jesus, there's a sanctification that takes place. And then as you ascend into heaven, there is a perfection with Jesus that takes place. This is the life. This is the cycle. This is what a Christian is to be. And in fact, we see that entirely all throughout the book of Revelation. This is God's chief concern. You see, the book of Revelation is truly about Jesus and what he longs to do. You see, I love Revelation 19. I'm going to touch on a couple things before we get to 22. And I love Revelation 19 because in Revelation 19, we see that the dress of Christ's bride is laid out. We see that laid down is this fire, this pure, this linen, so fine. And what John sees in this vision is a bride who has made herself ready. You see, what's interesting is we don't see in that same portion of scripture what we see here where Jesus says, I am coming soon. Yet, however, they didn't have a timetable to work with, yet the bride was found ready. The bride was found getting dressed. The bride was found preparing herself for when her bridegroom arrives. Here is the landscape we're working out of today, friends. Listen, God has a type. God has a type. It's called fire. It's called fire. God has a desire for his son. It's called burning. God has a desire for his son. It's called burning. And this bride, you and me, we make her up and we are called to be readying ourselves. But if you're not burning for the Lord, you're actually not ready for the Lord. Should I preach something softer? You see, Jesus, he, he lays out the robe, but he won't place it on you. Jesus makes it clear, this is, this is what I'm looking for my bride to look like. He lays out the robe. It has been placed before her, but he will not dress you. He has made everything available to you so that you can burn, so that you can look like, so that you can be his equal to him. You can be a suitable partner for him. Are you hearing me this morning? 
He has made it all available. You see it in Revelation 19, but the one thing he won't do is robe you for you. It is our task. It is our call. It is our job. It is our duty. It is our prophetic ministry, friends, to take off the faux-phetic fire of religion, the faux-phetic fire of Christian today culture, of celebrity Christianism, of all of these things. Take off, derobe ourselves of faux-phetic fire and clothe ourselves and robe ourselves in the prophetic fire that he has called his bride to possess. You see, one of the interesting things about prophetic is that I think a lot of churches have a lot of different definitions for it. I think sometimes we can preach a message like this and we can go, I'm not really sure what that word means. Pastor, can you explain that to me? See, prophetic, prophetic is basically, uh, we can summarize it down to all heavenly and celestial, right, movements and power, okay? All heavenly, celestial, as in heavenlies, celestial, spirit realm, activities and movements, okay? So prophecy is a part of prophetic, right? But it's not the, the sum total of prophetic. There's a lot of things, you see, because there's not just simply God. God is above it all, but there are other principalities and dark places. There are other demons and demonic beings that are working against the things of God and the people of God. And there's a lot going on outside of what we can see with our naked eye. Does this make sense? And so when I tell you, you have a prophetic fire that you are called to guard, that you are called to tend to, that you are called to keep up on, so many Christians, we long to just simply tend to our relationship with God, but we're not stoking the flame of the prophetic fire that he placed on the inside of us. You see, I love keeping up with our relationship with God. That should be our chief priority. I mean, what's the point of having a prophetic fire for a God that we never talk to, that we never do relationship with, that we are never seen in public with? However, in this hour, in this day, what is needed most in the earth is a bride that is set absolutely ablaze for the glory of God, for the things of God, for the abilities of God. You see, for the Christian, we've lost our love for heaven. You want to know how I know? Because for years, almost 2,000 of them, Christians lived in such a way where they lived to receive their reward of heaven, but they labored in the earth for Jesus to receive his reward, a bride on fire. And I think if we looked at that, it's very simple example it is polarizing how different the church is today compared to what she used to be and I ask God all the time I'm saying where did we get off what was the avenue that we found ourselves on was it the money was it the planes was it the traveling was it when we started accepting large honorariums like when did when did we as pastors and churches where did we get off what was the avenue? What was the fork in the road? Because I don't want to take the same route. I don't want to love traveling and speaking more than I love crying and bawling my eyes out right here. Kill me, God. What is it? 
What are the flags? What are the things in me that will rise up surely that I need to look out for and that I need to have other people looking out for for me? My head doesn't turn all the way around as big as it is. It doesn't go backwards. I cannot see my backside. I can't cover my own six. You and I, we need somebody looking at those areas that are vulnerable to veering off course for the things of God. I need you. You need me. And we desperately need him to keep this about him, to keep this pure and for him. This message doesn't grow churches. I understand that. That's okay. I'm almost convinced to this day God is interested in shrinking churches so that we can get the wheat from the chaff and there could be a remnant that burns brightly for him. I'm almost convinced that's what's taking place. He longs to see the world saved and back unto himself, but he is looking for the bride in Revelation 19 that is able to fit into that dress. And maybe she's little, and maybe she's small, and maybe she's remnant and fiery and feisty. I love that portion of scripture. Because then it ends with saying, hear me today. John sees this take place, and he, he gets ready to, we just reread the retelling of it, but in Revelation 19, the same moment takes place. He sees the angel, the angel tells him about the bride of fire, of what she's to be, dressed in pure, fine linen, ready, robed herself, made herself ready for the return of the king. And John goes, I fell on my face and I started worshiping him. And the angel goes, no, 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 do not do that, do not do that, get up, get up. I, listen to this angel, I have received the same testimony that you and your brothers have received about Jesus. We worship God. We worship him. You do not worship me, I do not worship you. We have received the same revelation, the same testimony of Jesus Christ. He has set me ablaze for his glory, the same. That's massive. That's massive because one, I reckon we should probably let our Catholic brothers and sisters know we're not supposed to worship other people besides God, y'all. Real quick, just saying. Second of all, right, you could be at a Pentecostal church like this and be like, why don't we worship Mary? Well, because she's an amazing vessel that we all long to be like, absolutely, but we long to be like her son even more, amen? Come on, come on, we can honor Mary. But he says, I have received the same testimony. And then he follows it up. He says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, I don't know about you, but this has ruined me. This has wrecked me. I have, I have been obsessed with this. In fact, when the Lord called me to preach the last lessons of Jesus to see a burning bride in our region, I couldn't wait to get to this part because that phrase to me wrecks me every time because I had to sit. I was stumped. I was befuddled. I was dumbfounded, friends. What does that mean? What does it mean? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then like a good Bible scholar, I started researching all of the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and all the things that I could get my hands on. And the word that John used for testimony there doesn't mean the same as to testify. It literally means to do again. To do again. 
The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And when we dig into that, friends, do you know what that means? Do we have the correct understanding? It means testify, testify. God will do it again. And that releases the prophetic nature of our God to move in our lives. Friends, here's the skinny. You and I, we need the testimony of Jesus, the entire testimony of Jesus. And that will give birth to the spirit of prophecy, not just in our lives, but through our lives. Pastor Matt, break that down for me. Oh, I will. When you take the entirety of the testimony of Jesus, I'm talking pre-Jesus having to come from the book of, of Genesis, where he is the word and the word was with God in the beginning. That's Jesus. John tells us the word of God put on flesh, dwelt among us. That's Jesus. Are you hearing me? He's always been there. He is, he was, and he is always. That's who he is. So we see him all the way throughout. He appears as, as angels, and he appears to all these men, and he moves upon them, and all these things throughout the Old Testament, right? Then we see him as a, as a newborn baby infant in a manger. Shout out to DC Talk. My best friend was born in a manger. It's a good song. Even if one-third of those guys are heretics today, it's okay. Pray for him. And then we see Jesus grow and he's 12 years old and he's found in, 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 the, in the synagogue and his parents lost him and they're frantic and they're like literally a half day's distance away. They have to travel back. It's how far they got before they realized the son of God was missing. Which trust me friends, in the fall time, I'm going to preach on that because friends, oh, is there not a whole lot in that sentence? However, they get him and he's like, I'm about my father's business, don't you know? 12 years old, my mom would have slapped me for giving lip. He is the son of God. It wasn't lip, it was truth. And then we see him released into ministry at 30 years old at his ripe age. And then for three years, he entirely changes everything in the known world. And then he spent the last 2,000 years doing it through the Holy Spirit while he's ruling and reigning upon the cross. Jesus is a real man. He actually existed. He was really God. We have evidence of his resurrection and his life, both pre-cross and post-cross. You can find that. This Jesus and everything he's done for the last 5,000, 6,000 years of human history, wherever it gets closer to, everything Jesus has done John heard from heaven, he will do again. The testimony of Jesus is that he will do it again, which means for you and I, friends, that we need the entirety of the testimony of Jesus. I need to know what he's done in your life so that I can have the spirit of prophecy lived out that he can do it again in my life. You need what God has done in my life to be told to you so that you can have the spirit of prophecy released in your life and he can do it again through you. Friends, today I am telling you, if you are battling sickness, if you have family members who are battling sickness, if you have a disease-ridden friend, if you cannot get past depression, if you are going through financial difficulties, if for whatever reason, literally, the gun of hell is just on you at all times, and it's not because you have some secret sin, it's because he knows if you actually caught fire for God, he, you would kill him yourself, okay? Like, you might be being held back by something. 
What are you to do about these things? You are to listen to testimonies. You are to hear testimonies. You are to receive testimonies. You need to go to every well of Christ you can about whatever battle you are fighting. You can find it on the internet. You can find it in a friend. You can find it in a book. You can find it in a friend's friend. You can find it wherever you can find it. But if it's the testimony of Jesus about him overcoming for someone the very thing you are fighting against, you need to get so much of that on the inside of you that you don't just receive it by hearing it, but you finally believe it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It is the testimony, the do it again of Jesus that gives birth to the spirit of prophecy. And you need to be diligent about getting as much of that in you as you can until you have the faith to see that moved and lived out in your life. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? This is what this literal scripture means. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, friends. That means everything you've read in scripture, he is still able to do. He could split a sea today, should he will it. He will spit in your eyes and heal you. He will move and do all of these things. He has not changed this entire time. He hasn't lost strength in 5,000 years and he won't start now. The cross didn't weaken him like Josh brilliantly preached earlier in our communion. He willfully gave himself over to death for you and I. And then he shamed death by being like, psych, I'm out. And he rose again. This is the same Jesus. He is able. He is greater. He is stronger. He is more mighty than anything you and I will ever face. You and I just simply have the responsibility. And we don't always like that. We would much rather live a life where God keeps up his end of the relationship and our end. It's not how it works. Ask anybody about a marriage where one person does it all. But you can't ask their spouse because they're not around. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you today, you are responsible for getting the testimony of Jesus in your life in order to overcome. He longs for you to just be able to rip off of whatever Smith Wigglesworth did kicking babies back to life and dropping pregnant women and so they appeared and a tumor falls out. These are actual documented miracles, not hearsay, not Christian folklore. These things happened. Charles Spurgeon grabbing a guy out of a coffin and raising him back to life. Catherine Coleman, Heidi Baker, she's still living and doing amazing miracles in Africa to this day. One of my favorite ones is these two people from Zimbabwe, a man and a woman who are living in sin and they are littered and rattled with leprosy. Talking things falling off them and still having relationships that only married people should be having. And they come to one of her crusades and she's preaching and she's doing work in the village. She's not even like this big timer with the lights in the stage. I mean like She's got like 100 or 200 people gathered in Africa and is just ministering to them with her team. And they come and they're demonized and they have demons and their body's falling apart and yet they're still trying to have this functioning relationship. And if that sounds appalling, it is. It is the most insane thing I've ever heard. And they come and she's like, well, what do you want to do? Well, we need these demons out. Well, I think we got to get a lot of things out of you. And so no joke, she exercises the demons, 
they come to salvation in Jesus, they get married right there and baptized into new life in Christ. And when they rose out of African streams, leprosy free. Look it up. There's a whole YouTube documentary on that one miracle alone. And yes, the people are interviewed. Friends, I am telling you, it is the testimony of Jesus that gives way, breakthrough way, to the spirit of prophecy. You want to walk in the promises of God, you got to start hearing the promises of God. You want to walk in the promises of God, you got to start receiving the promises of God. And you've got to be responsible for it. You have got to fight like all of heaven is on the inside of you. Bless you because it is. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and He can drive you to a place of being obsessed with receiving your breakthrough. For some of us, that's what it's going to take. For some of us, it's going to be moving into that next place with him where we are obsessed with seeing breakthrough. And so we're just absorbing and eating testimony after testimony after testimony. But it gives way to prophecy. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And so what about that pesky red-headed devil? What about him? Well, in Revelation 20, we see the devil reappear. The Antichrist has already come and he's did his thing and Jesus has dealt with him, but now it's time to deal with the devil. And here we have this Christianity today that makes the devil way bigger and badder than he actually is. And let me say this. Satan's real, and he's real powerful. But he is a created being, and his knees still get weak at the sound of the name of Jesus. I preach to anybody this morning and you are made in that Jesus' image and likeness. He is the firstborn among the dead. No wonder he hates you because he hates Jesus and he hates everything that looks and sounds and smells like Jesus. However, Jesus will deal with Satan. And we already see that. We already see it. So Satan, he is living on borrowed time. But what's interesting about Satan in the book of Revelation is how he appears. You see in the book of Revelation in chapter 20, we see Satan appear and all of a sudden he's a massive dragon. He's a massive dragon. Now, could this just be prophetic imagery? Could this be what he was seeing in his vision? Is he actually a dragon? Well, I'm not entirely certain of that. However, what I am certain of is the first time we meet Satan in the book of the Bible is in Genesis. And we see him as a serpent, a snake on the ground. And I started thinking to myself, I'm like, how did we get from Satan the serpent in Genesis to 5,000 plus years later, whenever he finally comes back and we see all this go down, to Satan the giant dragon? The Lord hit me like a freight train to the chest. My bride has fed him. How did he grow from a serpent to a dragon? We fed him. We fed him. We fed him with giving into his wiles, with giving into his arrows, with giving into temptation, with worshiping him often far more than we're worshiping God by worshiping ourselves, by falling for every single silhouette that he puts in our way that looks appetizing but is actually hollow by falling into every sin that sounds like it's going to taste good and look good and fill us up, but ultimately leaves us dry and empty, but somehow has begun feeding him 
There's this interesting dynamic here between we will starve Satan while we feed our spirit or we're starving our spirit and we're actually feeding Satan. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Is this too real? Because somehow he went from a small, impotent, cast out of heaven serpent to being a dragon. And now we have a whole church in 2023 that is scared of the book of Revelation. They're scared of the devil. They're scared of the dragon. And really, we can starve him. If he's living on borrowed time, messing with the bride of Christ in the world of which we are called to, if he's living on borrowed time to disrupt and destroy, kill, steal, and destroy, right? Jesus said that. If that's what he's doing with his borrowed time, what are we doing with our finite borrowed time? We have a clock too, biological or when Jesus comes back, we have a clock that is ticking down. Whom are we feeding? Are we feeding the Holy Spirit? Are we growing into a wildfire kind of bride? Or have we been stifling and starving the Spirit while accidentally feeding the enemy? How are we living and what are we doing? I think that's a question that we all need to wrestle with this morning. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Satan. All I know is that God says, I will deal with him. And what's interesting is he goes, in Revelation 20, yeah, uh, Satan's defeated, and I'm going to put him in a hole. And in that hole is going to be every person who has followed him, every false prophet, every person who's not in me, who's apart from me, every single beast, every principality. He names these things out, and he says, and I'm going to seal it for eternal torment forever and ever, day and night. Which is interesting, because everything about Satan down to even God's treatment of him is the inverse of Jesus and God's treatment of Jesus. Because while Satan is being tormented for eternity, day and night, and so are his followers, Jesus is being praised day and night for all of eternity by his followers. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Do you see how much of a better author God is than us. That's why man could never have made up this book. We could only receive it because it takes God to believe it. It takes God to read it. It takes God to receive it. And it takes God to live it out. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on Satan. I just want to end with that. He will be defeated. And he knows that. Your job isn't to try and run away for the rest of your life from him. It is resist him, James puts it, and he flees from you. You resist Satan, turn to God, and he runs because of who's with you. Appreciate anybody this morning. I'm doing some hip pivots right now that I'm really uncomfortable about, so I better be preaching to somebody. Okay, I need you to laugh. I needed to make sure there was some oxygen in the room and that you were safe. <laughs> Are you okay? Come home soon. This is who he is. This is our God. So while Satan might be, quote unquote, big and bad, our God is far bigger and far badder than he could ever dream to be. Jesus is still the one that will crush Satan's head. In fact, he will crush him under his feet. Romans 16, 20. So Revelation 22. Well, Pastor Matt, you just spent the entirety of your message preaching about Revelation 19 and Revelation 20. 
What about Revelation 21? That's, that's awesome. That's the new heaven and the new earth being formed. But surely we can kind of summarize that all up in this last portion of Scripture. And I'm going to invite the worship team up in just a few minutes. But let me rest here for just a second. Because he does something incredible in this moment. You see, John, he gets a glimpse after he sees a new heaven and new earth made and formed. And he says there's these rivers of life that are running and on their shores are the trees of life, which God longed to always have available to his creation. He longed to always have Adam and Eve in the garden, you and me, in Eden forever in perpetuity, eating from what he says are trees that have 12 fruit, and each month they bear fruit which is interesting in context because we look at in today's society, we look at today's world, and we have all these different seasons of coming and going. There's this dying and this resurrection and there's all these things that need to take place in order for seasons to happen and different fruit to grow and these things to happen in the earth. But in the new earth, death will no longer be a requirement for resurrection. Instead, we live in perpetual resurrection. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. See, we have got to get a longing for heaven again on the inside of us. You see, friends, I think for many of us, we are more homesick when we are away from our home in the earth than we are homesick away from our spiritual father in heaven. But this is the chief concern for the Christian is to find ourselves and those we love and even those we have grievances with and who would say they are our enemies to see all of us living in a place of perpetual resurrection and supply in the new earth, in the new heaven. We have got to get back to this place where we are so in love with where he is taking us that we desire to see it here and now. And then he says, nothing will be accursed there. Do you know what that means? That means Satan has already been dealt with. Because once the new heaven and new earth arrive, this is amazing. Nothing will be a curse there. Because in order for there to be a curse there, there has to be something to give way to a curse. Which means there has to be a curser. But if there can't be an accursed, that means a curser has been dealt with. Appreciate anybody this morning. That means in order for there to be deceit, which there is no longer deceit, that means the deceiver had to have been dealt with. He's done. That means in order for there to not be lies that take place there, that means a father of lies, Satan himself, has already been dealt with. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. That means for there to be a place where there is no way temptation can even enter this new earth, that means the tempter had to have been dealt with already. Where there are no lies, the father of lies is dead. Where there is no temptation, the tempter is dead. Where there is no deceit, the deceiver is dead. Where there are no curses, the father of curses is dead. You see, this is more than just some poetic bedtime story for Christians. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that he is returning for a burning, beautiful bride. And when he does, he will make a mockery of Satan. And he'll take all of this that he longs for and he loves. He loves the earth. It was made to be his resting place. He built Eden for a place for him to rest in his work, Genesis says. It doesn't say on the seventh day God just went to take a nap. No, it says he rested in his creation. He longs for all of this to be put right again. And so, worship team, you can make your way up here. So, 
the rest of Revelation 22 is absolutely incredible because the angel says to John again, he says, blessed are those who keep this book of Revelation, who keep this book of prophecy. Blessed are those who keep this book of prophecy. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. But I think today we, we have such a misconception of what it looks like to be blessed. Because we do our best by loving our neighbor and saying, hey, I just wanted to bless you. We just love you. Here's, here's, you know, here's a gift card. Here's dinner. Here's whatever. We just wanted to bless you. And, and we look at it like it's this transactional, monetary I give you this and it kind of like improves your life or, or takes a burden off your life or makes something better for your life. And like, and that's great. That's a very human level version of blessing though. When God says to John, blessed are those who keep this book of prophecy, first and foremost, you've got to understand it wasn't just to John, which is why the angel follows it up with, don't seal it here. Don't keep this on Padmos. Don't seal this right now. This revelation needs to go out. The church needs to have this. The world needs to have this. The sinners need to hear this. All of hell needs to understand who just in heaven Jesus truly is. That's why he says, don't seal this up for yourselves. We got to allow the evildoers to continue to be the evildoers. We got to allow the sinners to be the sinners. We have got to get the righteous, continue to live rightly, and we have got to continue to chase after holiness. Don't seal this up. Don't keep this to yourself, John. But instead, blessed are those who keep the prophetic fire of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Would you stand? You see, in this moment, John is laying it out, and I know we're dealing with high concepts here, but I'm trying to make it as plain as possible for all of us. When John says this, he says, blessed are those who keep the prophecy of this book He's saying you will be blessed because you will not have a life where you are living and worshiping a fake, faux-fetic Jesus that some Christian in 2023 made up on TikTok, that some confused at best, heretic at worst, pastor believed and preached and became a cult leader. But blessed will you be because you have kept and you have protected and you have contended for and you have lived in the real Jesus as he says he is. Which means when you're praying to this real Jesus, you're talking to the real Jesus. When you're making your supplications and your praises and you're asking known to him, you know that you're talking to the real Jesus. Who is actually able? He's not some made up folly of a God that you designed in your own image and made it palpable for West Michigan in 2023. No, he's the true, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. Who with the bat of an eye can create galaxies. With a syllable from his lips made light happen. The same God who could empower man to raise a dead body to life. 
the same God who is able right now to lay a hand on you through a brother or sister and heal you of every cancer cell in your body. We might feel like this series and this time where we've been going through the book of Revelation was a lot. I pray that it was because I pray that you have leftovers. I pray that you will eat on this throughout your weeks, that you will dive deeper into this book, that you wouldn't take a break from the book of Revelation after this moment and go, that was a lot. I kind of need, need to go back to like the Beatitudes. Oh, you mean the part where Jesus said, gouge out your eyes so you don't sin? Like, like that's any lighter. I pray that you wouldn't shrink back. Instead, I pray that you have leftovers. I pray that you would eat on this throughout your weeks. I pray that you would continually get filled up on the true revelation of who Jesus Christ is because the same God that can just blow in the face of Satan and see him turn to dust is the same God that can blow on your enemies and see them turn to dust. The same God that can blow on your fire and ignite you to burn like you've never burned before is the same God who can meet you in the most broken, sad, and destitute place you are. Your friends abandon you. Your family turns against you. All because you love Jesus and won't bow to Baal and pride. And everyone leaves you abandoned. And yet you had the most intimate relationship with the King of Heaven. Blessed are those who keep the prophetic fire of this book. But those who add to it or those who take away, God says, I will unleash plagues on you that you've read in this book. Hear me today. If God is willing to unleash plagues on his enemies, what does it mean in the inverse that he unleashes blessing on your life when you keep the prophetic fire of his book. Friends, you got a choice today. We're going to sing all hail King Jesus. Why? Because we should. We should. That is our good and right response to when we finish the book of Revelation. All hail this King Jesus, the real Jesus. The one with fire in his eyes and yet still puts a lamb up on his shoulder when we need help. The one that comes with a sword to cut down his enemies, but yet his rod and his staff, it guides us by still waters. He's the same God. You have a choice today. Now that we're at the end of this moment, before we go into the things of God of intercession prayer and asking God to move on our behalfs and break down things that we're not even seeing in the natural, but we're seeing in the spiritual. We'll get into all of that before we move into those areas of God this summer. You have a choice to make, and it has to be today. In the words of Jesus, choose today whom you will serve. Will you serve Jesus as he is? Or will you continue to serve a Jesus you wish he was? Because this Jesus, he requires all of you. While prophetic Jesus requires nothing of you. But the prophetic fire of God 
while it may demand everything from you, he also gives everything he is to you. You may lose friends. You may lose comfort. You may lose sleep and you may lose jobs. You may not win any popularity contest, but be sure my brethren, my sisters, my beloved, be sure today, beloved, though you lose with man, you gain in God. The one whom all things are possible and the one who stands undefeated and the one who will be with you unto the uttermost. I'm going to pray. The altar is open. Choose the day whom you will serve. Take over, church. I've made my choice. I pray you choose yours as well. And I pray we choose the same prophetic flame of God. Because our lives will be crazy. It will be insane. But it will be the most fruitful, fulfilling, wild adventure of your lives. Because we have the revelation of Christ. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I pray, God, right now, would you just fill this altar with your presence, God? Father, I pray that we would just fall at your feet this morning. God, I ask right now, Lord, that you would just begin to move in this room in a real, tangible, mighty way, God. That those whose heartstrings haven't been tugged on in a minute would be begun strung right now and the song of heaven would be played in their heart, God. That right now, Lord, under the song of praise that's being released and underneath this prayer right now, God, we would begin to get a deep shaking for the things of God. We would see just how beautiful you are and the things of this world world would grow dim because of it. God, we would see how mighty you are and the threat of the enemy would grow weaker because of it. That today, God, we would see you rightly and we would see that the whims of man, God, compare nothing to who you are. That the whims of man cannot hold up against the winds of God. That today, Lord Jesus, we would see you for who you really are. The brother that sticks closer than a friend. The one that is able to the uttermost. The one who pursues us beyond measure. Father, today, I ask right now that as we have a good and proper response to your Son, as we sing all hail King Jesus, I pray right now, God, that a fever would begin to swell up in the bones of the people of Takeover Church right now. That a fever would rise up in our bones right now, God. Like the prophet Jeremiah said, I have got a fever fire shut up in my bones that I've got to get out of me. How could I not preach? How could I not be obedient? How could I not live for him? How could I not kneel before him, sing to him, look at him longly? How could I not? I've got a fire of him shut up in my bones. My only response is that I move towards him. So, Father God, I pray for the fire of God right now to fall all across this room. Release the burning Holy Spirit. The dove, come and remain and have your way in every single one of us. Today, Lord Jesus, we evict every other lover from the throne of our heart. And we begin again to construct an altar for you the real you. We don't want a faux, pathetic, pathetic 
weak and impotent version of Jesus that we've fashioned around our desires. We want the real Jesus that burns away every other desire and every other lover. It becomes the single most captivating thing to us. And we would live the rest of our lives, however long or however short, longing to please you because we love you and you love us. You love us. In Jesus' mighty name, let us worship. Amen.